0: Welcome to the Sports & Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the Jay Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein.
1: What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing well. Enjoying the fall season. My man's nodding in approval over here. I like that. (laughs) Uh, I know I'm enjoying everything. Hope you, again, hope everything's going well. Super stoked about our guest this week. My man is here in Atlanta, live from beautiful Las Vegas. He's a sports commentator, he's a poker player. The man does it all, and he's with us today. He's my wife's cousin by blood. But, dude, we've been family for 20-plus yeah. years. You're my cousin as well, man. I love you. Jeff
0: Platt in the house. My man, much love. Good to be with you. This is going to be awesome. Thanks for having me. So I'm so glad
1: you're in town. I appreciate you accepting the invitation to carve out an hour while you're here to spend some time with us because, dude, super interesting. You do for a living which what I one, thought I was going to do. So I'm envious of you that you actually get to get paid for talking <laughs> to a
0: microphone. It's kind of the dream. I mean, I just... I, I pretty much wake up in Las Vegas, and I go either talk about poker. Somebody hands me a microphone, or I just get to go play poker. I mean, it's kind of—I'm very, very lucky. I'd pay them to do it, but don't tell them. So, not, it, so- it sounds like a dream, and yeah, I guess it is the dream. It kind of—it kind of is. I'm very lucky, very fortunate. Uh, you have a Wikipedia page which I learned
1: learned that today.
0: I learned that (laughs) last year. And that was like one of the coolest moments. So I've known you since you were 13 years old.
1: Yeah, yeah. And today I'm like, I've got to learn a little bit more about my boy. Yeah, let's do it. And so I type you into the Google machine (laughs) and lo and behold... You have your own Wikipedia page. We made it. Congratulations. We made it, baby. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. you. We have made it. So what does it take to get a, like, is it, is, you have to apply? Do have to I put up
0: for you? Like, Did, what's the deal? I, I mean, I, I will tell you, and I'm, I'm being honest about this, I had absolutely nothing to do with it. I don't know if you can create your own Wikipedia page or not. It, last year, somebody told me about it, and I was like, I don't believe you, and then searched, and I was like, okay, there it is. Um, so I, I don't know what the qualifications are. Maybe somebody from Poker Go, who I do most of my work with, was... Behind it and putting some of their people on Wikipedia, but whatever it was, I'll take it. So it's so funny you say that because I said I wonder if he made his own Wikipedia page. Oh, oh, oh and no. so
1: I t- so I Googled like what does it take to make a Wikipedia <laughs> yeah, okay. page? Um, and no, like somebody else did it or Wikipedia did it, and then the sources are people that are not you, right? Like so, other people are putting this information out there. So
0: are they telling the truth about me? Do no. Know? know. We'll find we'll, out. We'll, see. we'll, we'll do, we'll do <laughs> we'll some <see>. fact <laughs> checks,
1: but. Uh, for those, for those people out there that don't know you, you know you don't live in Atlanta,
0: so people yeah. in my network probably haven't met you before. Right, right, right. Uh, introduce yourself. Sure. Talk about what you're doing in Vegas and how you got there. Sure. So I'm from Dallas originally. Went to school at USC. I'll try to defend my Trojans a little later oh, yeah, in the show. I know, I know you have absolutely crushed them on, on your podcast. I, w- I went to SC for broadcast journalism. I worked in sports broadcasting for a while, as you mentioned, sports commentary, sports broadcasting, whatever you want to call it. And now I'm predominantly working in poker, just, just like you would have a play-by-play guy or a sideline reporter for a college football game. We do the same in poker, slightly smaller audience perhaps, but... I do some commentary, some some sideline reporting, some show hosting, and then also play a little bit of poker on the side. So I've been in Vegas for about five years Maybe
1: now. a smaller audience, but I'm, I'm assuming like a charged up audience, right? Like people oh, that are yeah. totally into yeah. it. They're like, they are poker players.
0: They, they're loving it. it. It's a very passionate audience because these people, and I do the same live and breathe Poker, So they, they are all about it. So our, our core audience is most certainly a hardcore one. You know, every broadcast would like to reach out to the mainstream, right? And have 50 million viewers every day. That just can't happen for all. But our, our hardcore fans are, are unreal, passionate. So I grew up, uh, like you, big sports fan. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah.
1: a more basketball guy, right? Like right, That was right, your right. sport. Yeah, right. I was baseball guy. Right. But nonetheless, like, always in sports. And I remember uh, my parents being like, you know what, Josh? Like, you'd be great as a sports announcer, mm-hmm. broadcast, whatever it is. Uh, and they said, you know, Syracuse University up in upstate New York was like, back uh-huh. then, I guess. Cream maybe maybe it
0: still is. Probably still you is. You know,
1: um, is a school to go to for broadcast journalism. And it was never something I really considered. Um, but that's the path you took, right? Like, that was what I wanted to do, and you went to school and studied it.
0: Yeah, and for me, it was either Syracuse or USC. I visited USC first, and you know, USC, L.A., Southern California. Get off the plane in Syracuse, it's snowing. It's like, you know what? It's it's going to be USC for me. Syracuse, Syracuse <laughs> brings a knife to a gunfight yeah, versus yeah, USC, right? true. I mean, like, they can't compete with us, too. Right, but, but man, uh, you said it. Their broadcast journalism program is— legendary I mean you're talking Bob Costas Mike Tarico. I mean their list is is a mile long and nowadays you know I, I'm guessing it, it's just a completely different field right because when you came up when I came up it was like okay here's what you're going to do you're either going to start in play-by-play for you know a minor league baseball team or you're going to work in a really small market as a local sports anchor or sports reporter for their CBS affiliate or whatever and now there are so many different ways to different create content. Yeah, that yeah, I bet every right single program it. is just is just so different. And yeah, you can just have a platform without even having a degree. I mean, not to make this about me, but like I was able this, to just create a podcast
1: it. and do yeah. And YouTube just go. And just go, yeah. yeah. And there's no barrier of entry, which is right. crazy. But so like when you're in school learning this stuff, uh, what is the kind of course load like? Are you, like, what are they teaching you? What are you doing?
0: At SC, they tried to teach you every facet of journalism that was important at the time. So even though my, my major was broadcast journalism, I still had to go through the print journalism classes and I still had to go through what was new back then, the online journalism class. They're like, hey, this online thing could really take off. They were just, right. This whole <laughs> internet thing might yeah. actually go somewhere. They were right. Um, so you so you took your core classes in every single element of journalism. And then as you progressed through their system, it got a little more hyper-focused on what your major was. So By the time I hit my second semester of junior year or my senior year, I was more working on my on-camera presence or my sports broadcasting, writing something or some things that would help me very specifically moving forward in my career. So would you do like put things
1: on tape and put things on film, watch yourself and like, okay, I've got to change that. I got to work on
0: that. Pretty much. Pretty much. You, You would watch yourself back most of the time with an advisor or a professor or a guest professor or your classmates or you send a tape to somebody and you're just trying to get as much feedback as you possibly can. And I I think that's a really good Um, repertoire to have because I still do that. I still watch almost all of the content we put out. I watch it back and say, maybe I could have done this differently. Let's work on doing this in the future. So I think that routine really helps. I do the same thing. Like
1: even when I'm doing something in presentation in court or even this podcast, like I'll go back and listen to every single one of them. And there's some things you say, you cringe like, gosh, how did I do that? Why did I do that? But also,
0: don't you think it's so hard to be quote-unquote perfect for an hour for example like if you just speak the whole time you're just naturally going to mess up on some of the things you say right so
1: true and I've come to grips with that
0: yeah that's and, and I'm does. okay with it yeah. and and I'll have some friends
1: like you said this wrong you did that wrong I'm like you know what I talk a lot yeah. like I say a lot of things and and if if five percent or one percent or ten percent is wrong like I can live with it yes yeah, so you know good.
0: like I, I'm I'm sorry yeah you're just a, <laughs> if if your goal is perfection, you just aren't going to hit it. And nobody is. And I think the Al Michaels of the world w- would tell you that exact same thing, but you're just striving to be the best. This is really corny, but just be the best that you possibly can be. If the effort is there, if the preparation is there, I think those two facets of of broadcasting are most important, and the passion too, right? Yeah, when, that's when you're huge. when
1: you're talking about something that yeah. you love. I mean, you found what you love, which is you know poker, which is amazing. Uh, but giving you know reporting the news on something maybe you don't love quite so much, you got to learn to sell it. That's and, true. You, you know, got to bring it. it. Um, fact check me on this one, okay? Because I remember when you graduated from college and you moved to I think Mississippi. Yeah and you were doing the local news, the, the sports segment. Yeah. And I, for some reason, I remember you telling me that you were like camera guy, on-air guy, yeah. editing guy, story writing guy. Am I right about that? You, you, the
0: fact check uh, confirmed. You're so right. Back back then, that was just when the local news stations were starting to cut their budget. Remember, local news was like cream of the crop, right? Late 90s, early 2000s. That would be your, your go-to source. You know, if you wanted to find something out about a team in the area you were living in, you'd just wait for the sports to come on at 6 o'clock and 10 o'clock, right? Right. This is massive. So as more outlets started to come as far as sports journalism were concerned of course the local news stations started to cut back and the first places they were doing it weren't in sports so they would start cutting back on cameramen that were available so yeah 90 percent of the time i was out there with this big camera and i'm terrible at all of the technology stuff not not that i'm great on air or anything but i at least know i'm better on air than (laughs) behind the scenes and so you're holding the camera you're carrying the mic you're checking the levels you're checking the focus It makes things really difficult, but it also makes you really appreciate like what I do now, for example, where I don't have to touch any of the equipment. I can just, I can just focus. So if I'm talking to somebody, I can really listen to what they have to say versus like, okay, is that, is everything said? And what's my next question going to
1: be? That's so cool. And you can understand how every part of the process goes, Uh, but that's like, I mean, is that an entry level? And maybe I'm saying that wrong, but like people that want to get to Al Michaels, as you put it, like, Mm -hmm. you've got to start somewhere. Is that what happens? You take the job in Mississippi? doing the nightly news? It, it, or?
0: it really is. I, I mean, at least I should say it, it really was, you know, this is 10 or 15 years ago where that would be the path that you took. If you wanted to do studio hosting, if you wanted to do anchor sports center, for example, that was a big dream of a lot of kids, in my dream also, like sure, when, I, when I went to school, yep. yeah, and so you would you would know that you would have to go to some small city, and that's if you're lucky. You get to start as, a, as an anchor and as a reporter, and you would also know that you're probably going to be required to do some camera work, to do almost all of your own editing to do all of that heavy list lifting that it doesn't look like you do but you would have to go out there to a random high school football game on a thursday night which is not the most glamorous thing to do but like you said you learn to appreciate every step and get those reps into yeah. right? get those
1: reps so the funnel that gets to somebody you know sports center like sitting on the desk at sports and like who who gets there how does that happen
0: Well, it's a good question. I I think they'd be the first to tell you everybody's on there that it takes a little bit of luck, right? Because if you have let's say 200 to 400 people competing for a sports anchor reporter job in Des Moines, Iowa. You can imagine what the competition is going to be like for the sports center anchor gig, right? So, ESPN is looking at all these different tapes from from all these different agents and people and and you know, now like YouTube content creators and TikTok and I'm sure they have everything involved. And You got to have somebody watch your tape, first of all. And then you got to have somebody like it. And it's a pretty subjective thing, right? Right. Like you could really like somebody and I I could dislike them. So that first person has to like them. Then the next person, it's like you're just playing the numbers game and the odds become longer and longer and longer. So I think it takes a little luck. And then a lot of, like I mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of preparation. You got to kind of put your heart and soul into the job, into the business. You got to nail the audition and you got to be on it. Um, there's there's a lot that goes into these big time jobs. People that get it so impressive, Pat McAfee. <laughs> oh, Pat McAfee. I, I, that's I, the other route, right? That's the other route. Like, yeah. and I'm
1: not picking on Pat McAfee. Right. However, I will say this, like every time I don't watch ESPN that much, okay. when I do... I see McAfee in yeah. his tank top and yeah. his thing, and I'm like, this dude. All of a sudden, is the guy. I mean, he's got a sports
0: background and all that stuff, right? But and don't you think it's so much more now when you turn on ESPN, you're much more likely to get the opinion and the analysis versus the news. I feel like back in back in the day, like when we were growing up, SportsCenter was the big thing. Like you were turning on ESPN to find to out. get to SportsCenter to find out what happened in this game or yeah. that game or that game. But now you already know. Just, it. Yeah, you know. You, you just know. go to your phone and yeah. you know you watch the two minute highlight version. So now when you turn on ESPN, you're getting the Pat McAfee's of the world, the Stephen A. Smiths, who are just telling you the um, their opinion, their opinion, their on most likely who, outlandish who can, opinion. Who, yeah, who can scream the loudest? I mean yeah. I, I,
1: I, I remember. <laughs> And this dates me, but I remember watching Sports Center and putting my hand over the awesome. t- over the ticker and below because I wanted to wait and see the actual highlights of the game, right?
0: To It'll find be the out first who time won. You're seeing it for the yeah. first time. You've seen it, which, and which if is I, amazing if, to say And if I,
1: I see it comes below, that's like Georgia twenty-one, Florida twenty. I'm like, well, crap. Now I yeah. now, now I know what happened. Like, there's there's no point. But to what you're saying is like the idea that I turned to ESPN to find out who won
0: a game is. Yeah. Outrageous. Imagine telling your son Graham that that y- you know we got to wait till tonight to find out the result of the Braves game. He's like, "What do you mean? What do you mean? No, no, we have to wait to watch sports. Center. Yeah, to see what happens. <laughs> what? That makes no yeah. sense? Yeah. So you went from Mississippi and then you started covering the NBA, right? Back to yeah. Dallas, and then you went to San Antonio too. Yeah, right? I did some sports radio stuff in Dallas and some TV stuff in San Antonio, and it was mostly the same thing. Working for a local affiliate. This was Spectrum News. You may know the word Spectrum just because. Their company has the Lakers broadcast and the Dodgers broadcast in L.A. So it's all part of a big uh, conglomerate. And so I just I covered sports in San Antonio, which, as you might imagine, is predominantly the Spurs. Spurs. So it it was 90 percent Spurs coverage, which was great. I got to go to every playoff game every Spurs playoff game that was away I could travel they were not necessarily like on the jet with the Spurs but I was at least going all the games and was credentialed so do you become boys with the guys like I know? wouldn't say boys I, I'd say you become like familiar with them you establish a kind of rapport with them but they're not looking to talk to you outside of you know the the on-camera yeah. time
1: well, but you I imagine
0: you got to gain
1: some sort of trust with them or some sort of r- you r- have rapport. to yeah,
0: yeah for them to open the door a little bit um I would say, you know, Pop is a lot like that for sure. And the first couple times I was there, Pop didn't give me anything. No, he was just as likely three years later to also not give me anything. Right. But I at least if he if he could see that I just showed up time and time again and and hopefully asked good questions. And I right. definitely learned to ask better questions because of him, mm-hmm. then he would start to give me a little bit more. It's same with the players, not to that intense degree that that pop does it with, but the tony Parker, tim duncans Monty and always of the world i think would end up giving you a little more when they saw you come in day after day after yeah day.
1: yeah you gain their respect like this yeah guy, I this guy's a here. good way to put it yeah.
0: uh and are you at their at the games at all 82 pretty much then- I, I mean i would not travel during the regular season except for once or twice a year i'd go on like one of one of their road trips but once playoffs hit i would Travel and so I'd go to every every game, which is awesome. You know, I just got to sit there and watch basketball. And like I said,
1: you love basketball. Now you're a Mavericks fan. Yeah, did you find yourself rooting for the Spurs? It was weird. How's that work? It
0: was weird. I I mean, I wanted the Spurs to do well because that meant I got to just keep covering. Right, right. If they're not playing playoff basketball late in May, what was I doing in San Antonio sports wise? You know, there just wasn't much to do. And. Like you said, I love basketball. I find playoff basketball fascinating. And to just be in the room in a press conference after an NBA playoff game—that was that was really cool to me. Being in the mix is neat. Yeah, right. Like yeah. It, it's, it's even just, if you have a, a minor part in that mix, it's right? just
1: it's just being it's, it's neat. like uh, beat writers. You hear like I never yeah. know like what does even that word mean? Beat writer, just on the daily beat, covering the show or actually covering the team.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the beat writing job is very fascinating because. That is 100%. You are there every shoot-around, every practice, every game. You're there hours early to the game, and that's more of where you're cultivating sources. So you're talking with a scout or an assistant coach on the side. I think you you end up just gaining a lot more access to the team. Usually the team's PR representatives kind of let you in a little bit more if you are the beat writer. That is a, a job that requires a lot of hard work, effort, and just just devotion to the craft, right? Because you have to just be all over this team. And then a guy like... Wages will just come in and scoop you, right? And <laughs> right. they'll say there's some big trade here, right. and your boss will come to you and be like, "Dude, you know, I'm paying you to to follow the team twenty four 7 And
1: those are the guys that reach the top, right? Like, who who can scoop and get the sources,
0: and have the connections. Like this trade's coming right. down. Right, free those agency. are the guys that kind of move up. The yeah, uh, Schefter yeah. and NFL. Yeah, yeah. and All these guys who are you know who have gotten jobs at the Athletic in the last mm-hmm. couple of years that that's kind of their promotion of sorts now, right? Yeah. All right, basketball.
1: One of your loves, but poker is yeah. it, right? And I don't really remember when you got into it. Was it a high school thing, a college it, it was, thing? I like, mean,
0: you remember like early 2000s where it started to hit on TV. We I remember called Chris it the Moneymaker Money Maker Boom. Like, yeah, so Money that Maker. was 2003. That was when I was, um, I think, a junior in high school. Okay, And so my friends and I, it was pretty simple, you know, when you turn on ESPN, you would hope to catch Sports If not, we are starting to see poker on a lot. Yeah, and definitely. so we would see poker and play poker. And that was it. And, you know, we'd play a $20 tournament once a week. And I just found myself growing more and more attached to poker. So it became something where I started to play uh, a couple times a year at casinos. And I would start to play tournaments. And I just always kind of kept that love for poker in my back pocket throughout the year. So it
1: started with just your boys in high school.
0: Yeah, just, that's simple. Just, and it's a in the poker world, that's a pretty common pretty story. Common thing. Like anybody around my age, they say moneymaker boom, money maker boom. So it's become you know, somewhat cliched that as that your poker background story. But that, that really is. Were you my a math guy? Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is yeah. that a common thread with poker players? Good at math. I, I would say now that, that what what we would call it is GTO and game theory optimal, which is, is of course a term that is not relegated to, to just poker but that's a, a lot of math involved and it's a lot of situation dependent math and uh frequencies and expected value and it's fascinating to dive into but yeah long story short you got to be a math guy yeah you you
1: do. you do so i started same same thing i mean i was in college we did we did like uh blackjack you know like yeah, of course. the, the yeah. house would do blackjack whatever and then we did poker i was never very good at it Okay. okay. I, I realized very early on that I was just not good at it. Got it. Did you realize it. early on, like, y- you liked it? And, oh, by the way,
0: like, I'm kind of good at this, too. I thought I kind of thought, like, I kind of always thought that I had a chance to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I didn't think right away, like, oh, I'm good. I'm better than everybody else. I kind of thought, like, if I really go after it again and again and again and, like, really start to take the game seriously maybe I could have an edge over my opponents. That's something that I've really thought within the last five years since I've taken it much more seriously. Yeah. But back in the day, I just always, I would say I just always saw a little bit of potential there to perhaps be a little bit better than most people who play. Yeah. And does that mean because back to the GTO, like you think you're better at that or
1: you can read people or you have the the calmness to do well? or like I,
0: I would say back then, it was a little bit more about the... Um, the reading of people. Mm-hmm. And I would say now it's a little more GTO oriented. Like I've I've probably studied more than most of the people at the table. You know, my job is just basically to watch the best players in the world play poker all day. So
1: I heard you said in an interview that, you have an advantage over them because you've watched them and studied yeah, yeah. them and they don't know anything about you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Well, they probably do know something about you right. being very modest, but that you know more about them than they know about you.
0: Right, think about it. Like if if I've watched you play poker every day for, and this is exaggerating it, of course, but if I've watched you play every day for the last two months and then we're sitting at a poker table together, who's going to have the advantage? It's naturally going to be me because you have no idea how I play. Right. I at least have some form of an idea of how you play. Now, also... The guys who I'm doing the broadcasting about that are featured subjects, they're playing at a lot higher level, higher buying level. So it's it's fairly rare that I run into those guys. I'll run into them on occasion. And yeah, then there, maybe I do have a slight edge. That edge is overcome because they're just going to be the better player yeah. than I am. So handicap that, like what makes, what makes a
1: high level player better than someone like you?
0: I would say it, it's a combination of just having a natural ability, right? Like we talked about, and that comes um, just kind of feel for the game, reading your opponent, certain situations, certain tendencies. And then I, I think it's pretty clear that the, the top level of players have separated themselves from the rest in the way that they study. Mm-hmm. So they they know what the computer is telling you to do, basically, to give you the highest expected value, Throughout a certain hand in basically every hand scenario. Mm-hmm. And there are so many hand scenarios. I mean, think about it, there are 52 cards in a deck, the shuffle's all random. Mm-hmm. You know, there are millions of, of combinations of hands. And so, if they know, uh, if they effectively know what to do or the best path, in most of those scenarios, they're naturally going to be much better than the general public. The guy walks in, and he's like, "Cool, man, I've seen poker on TV." Let's roll. Let's battle. Yeah, and that, so that's giving yeah. them the, that big edge. And they're de- de- and that guy walks in, is just dead money. He's dead money. But the beauty about poker is that that guy can still win. Yeah, right. He gets the card. He's got a smaller chance. He's got a yeah, smaller chance. Smaller it's yeah. very card dependent. He's got to run like. So fire, when you but he when you're at a table, win. and people,
1: are, you know, you know some people, you don't know some people. Like, what are you looking for, tendency wise, tell wise, to it's, learn, like.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And that's why it's so easy to get distracted, right? Like I could just be on my phone every time after I fold a hand, I could just go on Twitter or something or on Instagram. Yeah. But I try to stay focused because of that, because you want to pick up on on certain tendencies. And, and there are little things you see like – when you know the GTO route is X, and they go in a completely different path, that kind of tells you something about a certain player. Maybe they aren't as studied. Maybe they're a little newer to the game, or maybe they're just a, a total wild card and they like to to really gamble and They're dangerous, right? Up. Because those guys are just as dang- because the computer the, that we study. Mm-hmm doesn't think about playing—they're thinking about playing another computer, Mm. right? They're not thinking about playing some crazy dude who just wants to put all his chips in every other hand. So there's a lot that you have to become acclimated to throughout the course of a poker tournament. That's what I find so fascinating. It reminds me like when I'm at a blackjack table and someone's playing wrong.
1: Wrong. I'm I'm air-quoting wrong. You know, like they're hitting mission hit and— yeah, you know, people get so mad. It's like, you're <laughs> not supposed to do that. You messed up the cards right, for everybody else in the shoot, right? Um, probably the same thing with poker. Like, this guy is playing or this girl's playing wrong.
0: Yeah. You're like, I know I'm supposed to do this when the flop comes, ace, king, three, and I raised here and he called here. I know I'm supposed to do this, but I know I'm supposed to do this because he always is supposed to check to me. Like, that's what everybody would do in this situation, but he just bet five times the pot. So now what do I, so do? What do, I do? So it's like it's like yeah. different. It, you know, it can be... um it can be a, a little frustrating at times, of course, because you're like, "How can this guy be me? He doesn't yeah. follow the quote-unquote book." Right. But it can also—it's also eventually going to give you a big, bigger edge in the game.
1: I I always thought, told her like, if you don't know who who the sucker at the table is, <laughs> yeah. it's probably you. It is, 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 is is
0: there some some truth to that? I, I I really think there is. I was playing. I think so too. I, I the only. Um, high roller event that i've played at our studio at the poker go studio it was an event during one of our high roller series called the poker go cup and it's a ten thousand dollar buy and i didn't i sold a lot of pieces off to play in it and so i'm playing and we're down to like uh 18 players left there there are three tables and i'm looking at the other two tables and i see a couple of amateurs there and i'm looking at my table and i have literally four of the best in, in the world around me and so I'm kind of like, oh, it sucks for us guys. Like we got the tough table. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm that one guy at this table that I was looking at at the other <laughs> table. There. Like I'm definitely the fish and the sucker at this table. And I'm like, hit me. Like these guys are are just fine playing here because they get to play with me.
1: Well, but by the same token, though, you can trust those guys to play right, though. Maybe
0: that's true. That's true. But but their version of right is so much better than mine because they yeah. they've they you know I try to study this. This is a good way to put things into perspective. I try to study about an hour a day. Okay, as far as poker is concerned. And when they're not in a poker tournament, they're just studying. So, so they could they could study 8 to 10 hours a day. So imagine how many more hours yeah. they put so in. So what the does that
1: look like? Me. It's, it's, when you say study, what are you doing?
0: I think it, there's a couple different things. Number one is you effectively put some hands that you've played into a software program that's telling you like, hey, when the flop comes this and you raised here, you should bet this percentage of the pot, this percentage of the time. It's giving you like sizings and frequencies that the computer says is the most game theory optimal way to play things. Or you could watch a training video, you know, where a coach will be like, let's look at hands that are more like this or more like that. Or you can watch like some of the shows that we put on where you're just watching the best players in the world. So it's a combination of all of those things. That what goes into My studying, my immediate studying is always like, I played this hand yesterday and I noted it because I was really unsure of what to do or it presented a really interesting spot. And I usually look at those hands before moving forward to like coaching videos on certain situations. Always work on the craft, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you can play a hand perfectly
1: and the cards just don't play out the way you want. And that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't be, I mean, I I guess you you look back and you say like, I played it right. I did everything by the book.
0: It just, the card came out wrong. Right. But it can go the other way too, right? And I think that's what leads to overconfidence and arrogance because I could play a hand really poorly and still win the hand. I could play a tournament really poorly and still win the tournament. It's not likely, but it could yeah. happen. And that could give me this confidence boost. And I've had this in the past, to be honest, where I'm like, I don't need to study. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Like I won this one. I finished third last week. I'm doing great. And you get overconfident and you you get arrogant and you think you're you're much better than the field and and you kind of need to be brought down to earth a little bit. So it's like when you win, you don't want to get too high. When you lose, you don't want to get too low, which is common in sports. Yeah, that that right.
1: that's right. Yeah. I mean, golfers, they go to the- Driving range of course, every of Monday course. morning, yeah. yeah. No matter what, no matter All right, so you it,
0: mentioned but... these four, yeah, you know, big-time names, like names yeah. we would know you play with? Um, the guys that I played with in this specific tournament were Nick Shulman, who's a popular, like, poker broadcaster and high roller. Um, I think Nick Petrangelo, Andrew Lichtenberger. So guys who are on kind of the top of the poker world in the high roller scene. And then as far as the poker popularity scene, Daniel Negreanu was on my right in the at the beginning of that tournament. He's somebody I've become friends with, which is cool.
1: I remember his. So his name was one that was always back. Yeah, back, back, you know, Phil Helmuth. You hear a yeah. bunch. Phil Ivy. Like.
0: Helmuth, Ivy, Negreanu, and
1: Doyle. Yeah. And, and, right? and 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 yeah, and Doyle. Um, the the first book I bought was Doyle Brunson's. Yeah, of course, yeah, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's so cool. So you roll with some of those dudes. Like, yeah, you met yeah. him, do the whole thing. It was plus. it
0: was great. I mean, Negreanu's now wife worked with. Us uh, on one of the first poker shows I did. It was a show called Friday Night Poker. Mm-hmm. Her name is Amanda Leatherman, now Amanda Negranu. and she was just in the booth with us. So naturally, this is while she and Daniel started dating. So naturally, I'm just you know hanging out with him a lot more, and I just found myself like becoming friends with Daniel Negrani, which for me was awesome. Pretty awesome. I, I've been watching this dude on TV yeah. for 15 years, and yeah. so now we're 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 good friends. And then I thought about this also when Doyle passed recently. The memory that immediately sprung to mind, the first World Series of Poker main event that I worked, the one that you always see on TV, Mm -hmm. where I got to work sideline reporting for, which was so cool. And this is like top job for me. And I'm so nervous going in. And this is day one of the 2021 tournament. My producer in this production meeting. He's like, all right, we're gonna start the show. Jeff, you're gonna interview Doyle on stage. I'm Wait, like, couldn't well, you have given me an like, easier song? Right, like, like, <laughs> like like let, let me crawl for a yeah, bit before I yeah. walk. How about forty five minutes into the show I interview an amateur about his first time, but instead it was like top of the show with Doyle. And so let's like go. looking back on that, it's like, yeah, it's like a let's go moment. But it's cool. I'm like just sitting next to this absolute legend. Well,
1: World Series of Poker, again, fact check me. Okay. I'm I'm thinking it's I'm thinking ten years ago. It of goes by so fast. But I'm thinking when you were in it and making yeah. a run and we're all following <laughs> you and yeah. your mom and dad are flying to Vegas. Let me back up for a minute. Like okay. World Tours of Poker, explain to people that don't know like sure. what it all is getting into it, deciding to play in it, and then making it run like you
0: did. Yeah, so most people who have seen World Series of Poker on TV are seeing what's called the World Series of Poker main event. That's like the Super Bowl of poker. It's once a year. It's a $10,000 buy-in. A bunch of people play it. I think this year got 10,000 players. But the World Series of Poker overall is just a big festival of tournaments. So it's from the beginning of June to the middle of July. It's 80-ish different tournaments. I would go out once a summer just to like take my shot, right? In a smaller event, in a smaller, you know, you have dreams of playing the main event because that's like cream of the crop. That's the most prestigious tournament out there.
1: It's the Masters of Golf.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It really is. It really is. And the great thing about poker, again, is anybody can play it. Mm -hmm. You just have to put up the $10,000. So I go out there in 2014 for my one shot. I play this $1,500 event and don't do well. And so then I play a couple smaller tournaments and then don't do well. And then before I leave... Uh, town. I play this $200 one-day tournament. And I finished in second for like 28K, which is awesome. On top of the world, I'm rich. Yeah. Uh, And so then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to Vegas in a couple weeks and try to qualify into the main event. So I can play a smaller tournament. Meaning not pay the full $10,000. Exactly. So I play a $500 tournament and one out of every 20 players will qualify for a seat in the main center like that so i'm playing a satellite a family friend texts me he's like hey i'll just put you in the main event we'll just split the profit and sounds good to me you know i get free rolled sure in the main event so i get to play that world series of poker main event for the first time this is in 2014. 2014
1: yeah so my math is right about 10 years ago it's about
0: 10 See, years ago i was okay. fortunate to make a run then and that run I made day five and you said it. My parents were coming out to watch day yeah. five because we're down to the final couple hundred. Like it's kind of starting to get big real. Deal. Like, it, it's it's kind of within deal. reach from, I think back then it was uh, 6,500 players to start. So it's kind of the big deal. You know, this was, this was, I wouldn't say in its heyday because that was more money maker boom, but it was still on ESPN. It was still a big deal. People people so follow. And it was right as my parents were walking into the Rio, which is where the tournament was held, I busted out. Oh, no. So I was like walking out right <laughs> as they were walking in. It was brutal. Welcome to Vegas. Yeah, welcome to Vegas. Welcome to the World Series of Poker. So I played it next year and... I was fortunate enough to make day six of the tournaments. I finished That's in the right. 60th. Yeah. 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 Just my dad came out. My mom was scared. She thought she, she was going to be a the bet, Yeah. We finally got her back to the World Series in 2021. So it took seven years for her
1: Amazing. to make it back. So walk me through like the schedule of the yeah. like world. We, yeah. We watch it on TV. and um. But what's it like? Like day
0: one, you made it to day five and then day six. Mm-hmm. What's it like? The TV version is a very condensed, you know, edited down version of what it actually is. These are long draining days. like you show up, you start play it. now it's eleven am and you play until eleven p m or midnight. And it sounds like well, what's the big deal? Like you're just sitting there and playing cards, you know, how could that be at all tiring? But think about it. I mean, your mind is like on overdrive, right? and you are are constantly working throughout every single hand. So it can be really uh, exhausting and, and really draining. Now the first part of it, I would say is easier because since there are so many people, they have to have different starting flights. Now they're up to four. So you could play it. I would always, I think, try to play day one B. So I could have two days off before I played day two. Okay. And then day two, the field's still too big. So they still have to split it up. So I played the first day two. And then I got another day off before you really enter the grind. And then you're going straight through day three, four, five, six. And nowadays, I, I think you get a day off before the final table, but it's effectively like an 11 day tournament. It's brutal. Yeah. And you're saying 11 a.m.? start time yeah. until 11 You get a 15-minute break every two hours. You get one dinner break, and and that's pretty much it. And you're rocking and rolling the whole and time. And it, will
1: it go until a certain, like, is every day, like, we got to cut down to a certain amount of people? What, only a what, couple what days it? have
0: goals. Yeah. Most of the days are like, we'll play five, what they call blind levels, five two-hour blind levels. So you're effectively playing for 10 full hours. And and with the World Series of Poker main event, brings the spotlight, right? So you have writers and reporters and cameras all around you um it is it is exhilarating it's intense and like you said from earlier you have your family checking in you have your friends checking in so like when you go deeper and deeper it's like the more intense it gets the more uh unbelievable of an experience right it becomes. now
1: you're always a, a pretty smooth dresser i mean you got the, yeah, the yeah, suit
0: yeah. the uh
1: but people, I mean, there's all different types of looks people oh, have. Yeah. Like, and you were never a sunglasses guy, either. No,
0: no. And so, that's, I think that's kind of fallen out of favor. You know, it used to be like the sunglasses and hoodie and and headphones. And headphones. Yeah, yeah. And Now it's, I, I think, a little more casual. Sunglasses just aren't a big. Um, they definitely. Part I mean, I remember back, and back
1: and in the day seeing people like don't want to, didn't want to see people's eyes, didn't want to. Yeah. Now, what about like the the drinking at the table? Or some people that are drinking, or is it is it everybody is?
0: I guess whatever, whatever I you're kind of now the game the game has shifted so much where the the top players in the world are not only not drinking during the day but they're taking. Their health, fitness, and nutrition very, very seriously. seriously. Just yeah. like, and this sounds weird because it's a card game, but just like a professional athlete would, this is like part of their morning routine. They got to get their workout in. They have to eat healthy throughout the course of the day, or they're going to be tired, and then they're going to be think of Dor and his
1: guys uh, back yeah, there. No. Think about that. Yeah, like they're not having they're a beer, they're smoking cigarettes, yeah. <laughs> drinking beer, doing whatever. What about the conversation? Like, are people? I guess you got to kind of feel out the table. Yeah, I would them. say
0: so. And I, I'm somebody who, like likes to talk to people at the table. Like I like to get to know people and get to know their stories. I find that that's one of poker's fascinating elements. Is mm-hmm. you just run into somebody you would have never, ever, ever met before, and so to get to find out about their life, I, I think is cool in poker. But sometimes people don't want to talk, and then especially as a tournament, like gets, gets down deeper. to its moment. Yeah, like. and then
1: and you probably have to realize, you know, if you're Talk to somebody and they want no part of it. You're like, okay, this dude is not
0: interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and kinda, that's just, totally fine. It's like, re, it's like right. read the room like any, any anything else in the world. Exactly. Right? So it's, exactly. it's like just read the room. Yeah, that's so true. And there's just no reason to like pursue conversation. All right. Anymore. How do
1: all of you high-end poker players learn how to shuffle cards and shuffle the
0: um, <laughs> chip so well?
1: Like, 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 is right? there some sort of class you go
0: to? I, I mean, there, there's no class, but like, it, and it takes me forever to learn out of just the basic shuffling of chips. And now, like, I personally think I look pretty cool. Don't mean to because like I shuffle chips cool, on top of the chips. It's a cool <laughs> yeah, look. Yeah, it's so, a cool look. But it's just, I mean, think about it. The chips are in front of you, for so long throughout the course of the day. Like, how can you not just mess with What it else up? are you going to do? There's so much downtime, too, because you're not in every hand, right? You're playing a hand really every, like, six or seven minutes. And most of the time, you're just folding and watching. So you got you got to play with the chips, and you just kind of eventually learn how to do it. Now, some guys are crazy with the chips, and I'm very... Big. I have no chance. I have no chance. If you sat with chips long enough, you could do it. <laughs> I might need a <laughs> yeah, tutorial.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, so we we talked a lot about your poker playing, but you're you're also announcing poker. You have shows about poker. You do... All sorts of cool things.
0: Yeah, and I've been really lucky. I think my timing was really good. I came into the industry in 2018 when Poker Go, which is, I call it the Netflix of poker. It's Mm -hmm. a, a streaming subscription service, was really starting to take off, and I got to work a couple of World Series events. I got to do this Friday Night Poker show, which I referenced earlier. I was able to host our studio coverage of our High Roller Series, transition into some play-by-play commentary of these High Roller tournaments. It led up to that World Series of Poker main event sideline reporting job, which, again, took a lot of luck and timing because the main sideline reporter couldn't travel because of COVID. This was, you know, mid-2021. And so my executive producer, who's now senior vice president, probably worked his way way down the list before he got to me. And that was fine. And I bet that's happened a lot. And now not only do I do that, but I host a show that we call No Gamble, No Future, uh, which has made its way into a television distribution deal, which is really cool. That's all about timing and fortune and becoming friends with Brent, my co-host and co-creator of the show. There's just, I, I feel like I could pick 12 fortunate moments within the last Dude, five you're years. so humble. Come on, <laughs> really? man.
1: Give yourself some credit. Come on, man. I'll be the one that's say it. I mean, you are right. I mean, you take advantage of opportunities yeah, to get there, yeah, but you yeah. you also have to deliver, right? I mean, you have to That's true. That's you true. Have, you have and to that deliver. you have to deliver. And, that, and that's, that's what a you great do. Point. So, so when you're doing uh play-by-play side, you know, silent reporting, um their cards are face down. Right. So, what's the mechanics of you being able to like the, the pocket camera and your, yeah. what's, what's going on so there? So it's a
0: great question. So the broadcasts are on a delay, right? Because when you turn poker on, on Poker Go, for example, you can see the whole cards, like you can see what the players have, mm-hmm. but those can't be available to anybody live or that's a huge security risk and it right. hurts the integrity of the game. So the broadcasters during a live poker, poker broadcast are watching along with the audience at the same time. Forty-five minutes in the past was when that actual Actually hand happened. So okay. that's how the delay is incorporated. Now, in when sideline reporting, you're on the live time, so you're with the player, so you are not seeing any of the cards. So if a player busts out and you talk to him about it, you don't see any of the whole cards. You can only see them if they are exposed, which they are in a lot of online right. scenarios. So, so you're navigating two different worlds. If you're so, doing- what's
1: so what's the what's the, sh- the the shtick when you're sidelines? You're not seeing the cards. What what are you
0: talking about? It's tough. You're watching the feed of the broadcast without the cards. They black the cards out. So it's very hard for you to get a feel for what's going on Mm -hmm. because you just can't see the cards as often. Now, a lot of hands go to what's called the river, like the last card that's revealed, and you get to see at least some cards. and. All of the all-ins, you get to see the cards from both yeah. players, but you're more looking for is it a player becoming frustrated, or is he using big stack to his advantage? Just right. kind of working on questions that you could ask, or you're researching and just looking for background stories about yeah. certain players. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. And I've also seen you do uh, award shows. I've seen you do. Yeah, the, I've yeah. seen
1: you do the, the, the poker award show, it, man. Like you host. That,
0: it's funny that you mention that. That is. uh by far the most nervous that i've been for a gig because it's, it's just different and our award show the global poker awards is structured like you know the oscars, the oscars yeah. so it yeah. starts with, yeah. a monologue. with a monologue yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so i've never like i've never done stand-up comedy like that i've been on camera a lot yeah. but i've never done something like that where there's this crowd of it just there's just like probably a hundred people there in person. Not that many people, but they're all like in the industry yeah. or they're big time poker players. And then I know there's a, a select audience also watching along at home right. when we put it on YouTube and, and Poker Go. So it was uh, extremely nerve wracking, but it was also thrilling. I think it's my favorite. Yeah, it I've was done. awesome. You look so Thank comfortable. <laughs> and,
1: it's, it's, and I'll go one step further. Like it wasn't just on a stage. Like you're walking around. You're going yeah to, yeah. yeah. You're you're to it's, it's You're like, talking to people. It's like
0: you are a true... Host of the evening, yeah, right? Yeah. Like you're you're talking to everybody. You're doing the monologue. You got to kind of be quick when introducing people, and just kind of be witty based off what they say, and try to be funny not easy. In the moment. man. It, it's, not it's, easy. it's not easy, but it. But like looking back on the last two. Uh, that I've done—they're just so much fun to do yeah. that I hope I had this job from here until the end of time. Let's do it!
1: Yeah, let's do it. So living in Vegas—what's that like? I mean, all of us are you know tourists that go there, right? But you are the—you're a citizen.
0: It's cool. So like naturally, you would assume. I, th- I think when you are a tourist that Vegas is just like, it's the strip and it's crazy and it's wild and it's awesome. And it is all of those things. But I live in Summerlin. It's effectively a suburb mm-hmm. of Vegas. And it's just it's just this really chill area, except there are more video poker machines at the bars. <laughs> right. You know, like it, it, right. you have the strip craziness if you want it and you can go, quote unquote, be a tourist for a day, which is great about Vegas. There's always, always, always something to do. But really, it's, I live a pretty like laid-back, fairly boring life overall. So if you wanted to go to Insert Casino, you can do it any
1: yeah. day you wanted. But I mean, yeah. how, how often do you just decide, like, hey, I'm going to go to I Bellagio will, I
0: will only go down to the Strip if I have work, and a lot of our work, naturally, is, mm. is on the Strip, or if I have a friend in town, uh, or if I'm playing a poker tournament. But, like, I'll never go to you know, play blackjack or or play craps. I I know that the game that that quote unquote gambling is just a losing proposition, right? Because you're playing against the casino. In poker, I'm playing against the other players. So theoretically, if I'm better than them, I should be making money in the long run. So you
1: limit your you're a card playing to poker versus the table, exactly game versus the house. Exactly, just because your your edge those. isn't there.
0: Right. That's 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 the perfect way to put it. My edge is not there, and I, I, it's not like I could study blackjack forever and all of a sudden have the edge against the casino. Right, right. I, I, I can't. Same with slots. Same with right. craps.
1: Do this. Do the suburbs of Vegas have you know high end restaurants and high end stuff, or or is it just like any yeah, they,
0: other? They do, and there's just a, a lot less of it. So like yeah. there there's one big time casino resort where if you walked in, you'd think you were on the Strip in in Las Vegas, and they had the high-end restaurants, and there were also high-end restaurants in the surrounding area, just not as much, not as um, crowded as you would see yeah. on the Strip. What's up with the Sphere, the U2 Sphere? The Sphere looks cool, man. Have you I been mean, You've seen the clips. I haven't been. Are, are you a U2 guy? I mean, I, no, I just can't, but-, like, but- Everybody like on social media is, is, yeah. is now. I didn't, there's more YouTube fans now than there's ever been. But, but why can't we get somebody else to play in the sphere? You tell me. What's the deal? I, I, mean, I guess they, it, they just locked up the residency deal for the first for couple months. Short period of time. Yeah, but it, it looks amazing. I mean, they spent what two billion dollars on yeah. it, so it better be amazing. But it, it's yeah. really really cool.
1: Any other acts out in Vegas that you have made a point to go see
0: at one of these? Well, games? I'll tell you what I've made a point not to go see, Josh, and that would be that would be the F1 race in Vegas. That's a big deal, because right? Because I. I I got really into F1. I don't know if you've seen the Netflix show, Drive to Survive, but F1 kind of took off, right, Mm -hmm. popularity-wise, thanks in part to that show, and I think the show did a great job. I thought F1 was cool. I started to get into it. They said they were coming to Vegas. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, cool. We'll tell you. It sounds like I'm such a snob or a brat, whatever you want to say, but the traffic has been so bad (laughs) because of all the construction on the Strip, because of the races on the Strip, and they've, like, blocked some of the cool parts of Vegas, so like the Bellagio Fountains, which are legendary. They're just blocked off off by F one bleachers now. Yeah. Uh the Venetian the outside of the Venetian same thing walked off. And so now I'm just very uh anti F1. You're a Raiders fan? I'm not a Raiders fan. I've been to Allegiant Stadium, which is quite Pretty nice. awesome. I, I, I tell you what. I mean, we talked about basketball earlier. I can't wait for Vegas to get an NBA team. And they will. And they'll get they a will, baseball right? team. And, yeah, yeah. And as yeah. they should. I mean, yeah. why, why not? And the yeah. hockey games there. And I'm not a big hockey fan or anything. But the atmosphere there for even regular season games, I think, rivals playoff games in yeah. some cities. Yeah, and it's good. pretty cool. That's good.
1: Do you have recommendations for someone like me coming from Atlanta, come to Vegas? Like, what's a good day? What's a good two, two days? Like where to oh,
0: go. of where to go and what yeah. to do. Yeah, I have, I have a ton of them. I I think that my favorite casino to be in is probably Aria. Um, I just think they do such a such a great job. Javier's in Aria is my favorite restaurant in That's Vegas. It's a Dallas place. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's not like the highest end restaurant in the world. It's, you wouldn't call it a five-star place and it's not ridiculously overpriced. Like a lot of the places, it's just a great food, great atmosphere, great drinks. I always tell people, Javier's, they're, 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 if you just walk a couple steps, you'll run into a great steakhouse. Yeah, I mean, they're just littered all over Vegas. And there are so many different concerts and shows and sports and the, the entertainment is just at such a high level. I feel... Very lucky to live in it's, Vegas. Uh, yeah, and it's amazing. I
1: mean, every time I go, I just it's yeah. like whoa, you know. Just I just like walking. Honestly, I just, yeah, like, wa- the, I just like walking.
0: Walking and the people watching in Vegas is is outstanding. Absolutely, especially amazing. late at night when people get a little wild, it, it's tremendous. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's so good. All right, before we're done, I want to give you the opportunity to talk some USC football because <laughs> you're right. Uh, on on this podcast, I have yeah. been <laughs> kind of harsh on your Trojans. Kind of,
0: uh, yeah.
1: Wrote them <laughs> off. <laughs> I, I did write him off. Me and my boys wrote him off. Um, because we're not West Coast football guys. Yeah. We're not. Um, but I'm giving you this opportunity to tell us what we're missing from USC. Lincoln yeah. Riley, top-end
0: coach, you got your quarterback. Yeah. What, what what's, what's going on? I mean, didn't it seem like it was kind of lined up for this year? Like, you knew last it, year would be the transition phase, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Where... Lincoln takes over the program. He brings Caleb Williams, but they they clearly couldn't get enough talent in to overcome for some fairly weak a, recruiting yeah. from Clay Helton and his staff. And I think Helton and his staff actually recruited guys pretty well for like this year, the season that we're in right now, but they hit the transfer portal hard and and it just it's clear to say it, it just didn't work, yeah. right? Like on the the defensive end SC has just so many weaknesses, and and they don't. We were talking about this before we went on air. They don't need to be a great defense. Thirty points. Thirty, 30 points. That's it. Yes, thirty total points. Total you Don't need to be all world. Thirty points. But but they just can't be absolutely horrendous like they have been this season. E- even in some of the wins, this I'm not just pointing the losses. Yeah. Even in the wins against Arizona and and Cal, it was just that defense is very weak and. Caleb, Caleb Williams needed to become Superman to 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 save us effectively yeah. every time. And there there is so much raw natural talent on the team, right? Yeah, like these, for sure. these are all five star guys, and and so I don't know if you start to point to coaching or system, um, but it's been disappointing this year. And and you guys mentioned it on your show earlier in the week. The game against Washington is very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. At the time we're taping it, the, that game is is tomorrow. Yeah, because, probably, it'll, yeah it'll, it'll be already right, played. Right. But the line's <laughs> pretty small. I wouldn't be like surprised. If that's a prediction, if you, win. Win. you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I th- again, the Vegas line just looks really weird, right? If you're walking in off the street and, and you don't, you just don't know anything about betting. Okay? Hop in the sports book. Yeah, yeah. You hop in a sports book though, and you're like, well, Washington's a top five to ten team. SC's been terrible this year. Washington's only favored by three. I'm not that Washington, duh. All day long, they're like they're, they're just begging all day, you. They're, they're begging, begging you. To you. That, that's that. That's how that Washington. city in the yeah. desert was built. All those right. lights. And you'll just edit this out, of course, if uh, Washington ends up ends up crushing us. So, so there is uh, there is an issue there. You, you never want to panic about a high profile coach like just two years in, especially when we're we've only lost two games. I mean, it's it like just, it just could have won that Utah know, game. It like just, it's just it, it it feels it feels weird. It's different than perhaps what we would have expected. And then the final note, and you mentioned this when you mentioned West Coast football, isn't it weird that the year that the Pac-12 is finally just absolutely awesome? It's just the last the year last of year. the Pac-12. Yeah, that's done. So I, I think there are just, there are just a lot of solid programs in in the conference and there are no weeks off now. Yeah. In the well, where there used to be, like so, back in USC's payday. So, so help me understand
1: California West Coast football because... Um, it's we're obviously we're in the deep South and we think it's soft out there. Yeah. We think they, you know, they can't compete. They've of got course. these great athletes, but you know, they don't play defense, can't tackle all the, all these kind of things. What's the, I mean, what, what, what is the actual feel of college football out in Southern California?
0: It's funny. It's a great question. And I would approach that question with an answer like this, where USC football is the king of LA eight or nine Saturdays a year. So I'm saying there's six home games and then when they play Notre Dame on the road and maybe there's a Pac-12 championship game or a bowl game. And, and L.A. really is like hyper focused on USC on those eight or nine games. Whereas, and correct me if I'm wrong, of course, SEC football is the star 52 weeks out of the year, 52. right? Every 52. single day. It doesn't matter if football's on or it's not. So it's just a whole different perspective to West Coast football. And you're right in the past, I feel like most of the quote-unquote good Pac-12 teams have just had good guys who are good at the skill positions, Mm -hmm. right? And they just aren't as tough in the trenches. And I think what we've seen in the last year or two is teams like Washington, Utah, Oregon becoming really tough on defense and building really good offensive lines. And I'm sure a ton of that is transfer portal. Yeah. Guys and going to get guys from SEC and Big Ten. A little bit of that, I'm sure, is, is high school recruiting and how they've extended yeah. that. Um, so I think the game is, has changed a little bit in the Pac-12 from just being every game is 65 to 58 uh, versus what it is now.
1: Yeah, look, college is better when the West Coast has strong teams period I agree you know agree. um when USC's rocking yeah. and you got Snoop Dogg on the sidelines and <laughs> Will Farrell and all, all yeah. the boys like that's cool that's cool um last year man like when USC was going and then y'all lost to, was it Utah or whoever yeah. you lost to? Are, it's, like,
0: it's probably always Utah. It's probably <laughs> Whenever you're always trying Utah. to think of a, a big time USC loss, it's probably yeah, Utah. Yeah. And that was in Vegas at the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's what's Los
1: Angeles like as a as a town to go to college in? Because I've been to Los Angeles... I don't know if you, like twice in the last year. I had a great time. Yeah. I was down in Hermosa Beach, Manhattan oh, Beach, that area, which is beautiful. Beautiful. I can't imagine going to school out there. Like, what's, what's that Yeah, it's weird.
0: It's different because, uh, you know, once you turn 21, like, I feel like your senior year is not as campus-oriented as it would be in, in a lot of colleges because mm-hmm. now you're like, oh, I just have the city of Los Angeles right here, right next to me to, like, go out in. So I, I feel like you almost or a lot of students, myself included, break away a little bit from the school as opposed to becoming more attached mm-hmm. because of everything that LA has to offer. Now, with that said, again, if there's a great football program at the time, it is a real bandwagon, you know, fans city. It just yeah. is. But if, if the football is great, the attention will be intense and the Coliseum will will be absolutely rocking. Yeah, well, my friends, I did not go to the Rose Bowl
1: when Georgia was out there versus Oklahoma okay. a couple years ago, which I regret. Yeah. Couldn't do it. A lot of different reasons, won't go into. But they will argue that venue,
0: yeah, is the top, Rose Bowl is, top of the is, top, man. Yeah, top of the top. There's something that just sounds a little corny, but it's like so classic when you just walk into the Rose yeah. Bowl and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, like you I get feel it that. now. This yeah. is it. It's a shame that, um. You know, I don't want to always take shots at UCLA, but I'm happy to hear that that their fan base is so bad. I feel like they just waste the Rose Bowl. Yeah, You know, even when UCLA is good like they are now, it's just like that stadium is just it never seems to be full except for that one one, Rose Bowl game, which is awesome. I, I just would wish they would take advantage of that awesome place even yeah, more. Totally. Now the last
1: thing we'll do before we're done is I gotta congratulate your Texas Rangers oh, thank you. on <laughs> the World, World Series gonna... championship. Real <laughs> diehard baseball fan. Happy to have a World Series. Good break. for Dallas. It's yeah, good it's yeah, good yeah. for the state of Texas.
0: Uh sixty something years the franchise. I'll isn't, take it it, isn't that wild? Yeah. I mean I, I I'm not a huge baseball fan. I jump on the bandwagon when they made the playoffs. Why not? Yeah, we talked about it earlier. I feel like baseball is a lot more watchable because of the rules changes that that they've made. So it was a terrific run. It was a pretty scrappy team that was, uh, you know, un- the word underdog is overused. And I'm not saying they were an underdog against Arizona. But I think going into the postseason when they didn't even win the division and they had to start in the wildcard round, you would... Naturally, think that they were a pretty big underdog to yeah. win the World Series and for them to get it done through some major injuries big too, time. pretty impressive. What made me smile was your dad was telling me that, that your grandma, yeah, yeah. you know, watches every single she's pitch. She's in her 90s. old and, and she's, it, it is literally every single pitch. And for her, I mean, honestly, like, that makes me smile. It's like, same. you know,
1: because you know, she's been a fan for yeah. all these years and she got her championship and you can't take that one away, man. That, that is, that is what hit, it's all about. Yeah, And no, those
0: but, are the moments that baseball still has to offer right yeah no hell yeah so so very good
1: i didn't watch much of the world series <laughs> yeah, yeah, i
0: heard you match the world I,
1: series. I i i am a uh a, 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 i love baseball but i'll be honest like if the braves aren't in it yeah you
0: know i mean we said this it's it's, it's baseball's very localized sport right it's hard for the it's hard for it to become a, the national sport especially with so much going on from the sports standpoint yeah, dude, this is great. Yeah, this I, is this is pre- awesome. I appreciate you. Uh,
1: you are a natural in the mic at your profession. You <laughs> yeah. inspire me to to speak uh, and, and your better. I'm I mean, awesome. having a good time, but I mean, you're a podcast professional. You've got you're on a bunch. You have a <laughs> bunch. So I I'm honored that you've spent some time, uh, and and did this. So well, thank you for cool saying man. that. It was yeah. an absolute
0: blast. Yeah. Really, yeah. so
1: appreciate you, man. Thank you all for listening. You can check out my man Jeff Platt all over the internet. Just Google his name. <laughs> yeah. That's all you got to do. Wikipedia page. Go to the Wikipedia page. Learn a lot about him. And uh, World Series of Poker is when?
0: What, t- what time of year? So World Series of Poker is in the summer. We're airing episodes now on CBS Sports Network from that main event that took place in the summer. And then there's also a World Series of Poker Paradise. So I get a work trip to the Bahamas in December. It, I'll take it it that. kids,
1: stay in school. Yeah, yeah. Learn to play poker. You two can be like my man, Platt. <laughs> Uh, before, before I forget that they're playing versus broadcasting the event, like you've had to yeah. make that decision and get involved. How does that work? Yeah, I
0: have. And I've always said that once I entered poker broadcasting, working the World Series of Poker main event would be the absolute dream. And I, I wouldn't trade that in for anything. Of course, the the next best step would be playing in it. And I think that come this next main event in 2024, I, I think we're going to find a way where I can do both. Have to, yeah, Have to and I think both. it's going to provide a really unique perspective and view, and I think it'll really enhance our coverage. Hundred percent. I'm
1: think I'm thinking back like the 1940s and 50s when you had the player coaches that did both. Yeah, like that's absolutely. gonna be you, dude. You're gonna be playing, be, yeah, you're gonna be playing and announcing and just giving the perspective of like I was a player, I am a player. I'm sitting here. These are the things we're doing. I think it's gonna be a
0: gonna blow up i'm really excited yeah. about it i'm really looking forward to it and <laughs> what we can do with that show. everybody tune in root forms can be great so
1: thank y'all for listening appreciate everybody tuning in uh like comment subscribe all that all, good that, stuff, all yeah. that good stuff find old episodes at sportsdorts.com and uh go dogs go usc fair you okay go dogs and, uh, go <laughs> usc all right and as always next time keep chopping.